The uh, Bible reading today is taken from Joshua, chapter 2, verses 1 to 24, and you can find it on page 216 of the Red Bibles. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent out two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent his, this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts sank, and everyone's courage failed because of you, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, Please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, Go to the hills so that the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return, and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless, when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house. If any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible." As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied, let it be as you say. 
So she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there for three days, until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. We'll now continue uh, reading from Joshua chapter 6, verses 22 to 27, which you can find on page 220 of the, pi of the uh, Bibles. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, Go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her, in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother, her brothers and sisters, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it, but they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, with her family and all who belonged to her, because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. At that time, Joshua pronounced this solemn oath. Cursed before the Lord is the one who undertakes to rebuild this city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son, he will lay its foundations. At the cost of his youngest, he will set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks for using the uh, grant for the, the, more of the um, Jewish pronunciation of Rahab. Um, unfortunately, I'll be probably more defaulting to the American Rahab through this uh, sermon, but you'll, you'll understand who I'm talking about. This section of the narrative, uh, it, it, it's a, a parallel or it's, or it's teaching us something from this story of the Israelites walking through the desert. So you might remember when I did the overview of what led us to this point, that a, a generation before what we just read, Moses was the leader, not Joshua, and Moses had got to the river and was told to enter into the Promised Land, but he sent in 12 spies. Those 12 spies went in, and what did they hear or what did they see? Ten of them say Cana is full of giants and we can't take the land. Two of them come back and say God is with us and therefore we can take the land. Who are those two? Caleb and Joshua. So there's a parallel today. These two spies are kind of parallels of the two spies who enter under Moses and say that they can take the land. And what we have today 
is an interaction between two unnamed people who are going to be pivotal in the story of uh, this uh, taking of the land. And we also have the story of Rahab. And this story of three people interacting today might be considered not part of the bigger plan of uh, the Israelites taking over the Promised Land, but nonetheless it's significant. It's a significant story because what I think it teaches us is that God uses people that we mightn't think are pivotal to the story, God uses people, sometimes even unnamed characters in the Bible, to accomplish His bigger purposes. And so, Joshua finds himself at the same spot as Moses, having to send spies into the land, but Joshua, having gone in and seen what was possible, but being outvoted by these other twelve, uh, other, the other ten, he sends in two, and the two come back with a similar report to Joshua. They come back with a report that is different to what the ten spies who dominated the report said last time. And so, it's now time for this generation to enter into the Promised Land. And a key figure of this is Rahab. Rahab is a woman who's living at the edge of town and probably her role in this story is to give us an insight into the city of Jericho, to give us an insight into uh, the mind of the Canaanite. It's also going to give us a, a second meaning, which is what happens to those who live in Cana are Canaanites but want to turn and be faithful to God. And so, there's these two things that are playing out at this time. But first, I want to give you some background of the Canaanites because we do have a potentially challenging theme for us here. There's a challenging theme here because of that passage that we read out in in, uh, chapter 6 where they destroy the whole city. And we can kind of think, really, is is that what God is on about, destroying a whole city? Well, the background to the Canaanites is that the Canaanites are a multi-religious people. They believe in multiple different gods and their version of spirituality was that there were gods of the heavens and there were gods of the earth and there were particular parts of the earth that particular gods had governance over. And so, as the Canaanites went to various different parts and tried to do different things, they would have to think, oh, who is the God in control of this and I'll, I'll appease that God to get favour from that God but if I go to a different area, I have to appease a different God. And so, they were a group of people who believe in multiple gods. Now, one of these gods is called Baal. Now, I'm not going to do a whole deep dive into Baal but we know when we read the rest of the Old Testament that the Israelites were meant to remove all of the worship places to Baal and to the other gods, they don't do that and Baal becomes an ongoing figure that's problematic to the Israelites. And so, Baal is one of these gods and we hear about Baal in the rest of the Old Testament. It's a source of idolatry that will become a problem for them. Now, the Canaanites 
also practice prostitution in the temple. So there's prostitution that takes place in the temple and it's part of their worship and something that is idolatrous to Yahweh. They are also known for practicing child sacrifice. So one of the things that's taking place when we get a background or an understanding to the Canaanites is that these are not a great group of people that are following the ways of God. And so it's important to note that they're not following the ways of Yahweh, they're acting in ways against Yahweh. And so in some ways, the Israelites who are coming in to take the land, whilst it's a promise that they will inherit this land, and there's various different reasons why they haven't inherited this land up until the point, uh, and therefore the people who took over this vacant land that was promised to the Israelites have grown up into this nation called Cana. But the Israelites are entering into this land and removing and destroying all the high places as punishment for worshipping the false gods. So Israel is receiving its promised land, but it's also punishing the Canaanites for their idolatry and for their uh, practices that God finds abhorrent. So in many ways, the Israelites are serving justice to people who are engaged in forcing women into prostitution, as well as child sacrifice, two things that we would um, feel is not appropriate. So this is not racial cleansing. This is not what we would think, when we think today about people who move into an area and seek to remove an entire race from a group of people, a, a, a location, this is not about racial cleansing. It's about faithfulness to God. Because in the future, remember, in the future, when the Israelites take up the same practices that the Canaanites are involved in, what happens to them? They're forced off the land as well. And so it's about being faithful to God. The Israelites are serving God's justice but they too will be held account to the same principle, that if they're doing things that are abhorrent to God, they too will be uh, people who are forced off the land. And so Rahab, in a way, is a little example to us of why this isn't racial cleansing. Because we read in chapter 6, when she acknowledges who God is, that He is the one true God of the heavens and the earth, therefore any of the fake gods of the heavens, Yahweh controls them, any of the fake gods of the earth, Yahweh controls them, so therefore God, Yahweh of the Israelites is above all things, she acknowledges that and therefore she's rescued, she's faithful to Yahweh and therefore she too is part of the group who are saved. So she is an example to us that this is not about racial cleansing, but about faithfulness to God. And so Rahab is also an example to us of the minds of the Canaanites. Because Rahab here in this story shares with the two, the two spies what the rest of the city is thinking. The rest of the city, remember when the twelve went in, they saw them being tall and they thought that they couldn't take the land. This time the two go in and Rahab is the one that tells these two spies, the whole city is fearful of you. The whole city knows what happened at the Red Sea. The whole city knows that you conquered two 
uh, kingdoms while you were wandering through the desert. The whole city is fearful that you're going to come and conquer this land. Rahab serves a point of sharing with the spies what the rest of the city are thinking. Rahab reveals to the spies that the Canaanites have lost heart and feel that they're going to lose. Rahab also shows us that they live, that this city is a multi-religious city and unlike others in the city who are putting bets each way on multiple gods, she's put her faith and trust in one God, that is the God of the Israelites. And because of this, she knows that if she wants to live and her family want to live in the ways of God, that she does a deal with these spies so that she can be protected and live in the land in the same way that the Israelites will live in the land which is faithful to their God. So Yahweh, make, uh, Rahab makes a deal with the spies to protect her if she protects them. She wants to join the people of Israel and she wants to follow their God and Rahab is an example to us of probably some other families, some other people in the cities that Israel will go and take over, of people who want to be faithful to God and therefore are allowed by God to dwell in this land and it's the people who are abhorrent to God that are part of the the serving of justice. But Rahab is also an example to us of how God uses people in the Bible. Rahab is an example to us of a long line of people in the Bible who are used by God to accomplish God's purposes. Rahab is a long list of people who have a troubled past or have some character flaws. There are lots of people in the Bible who don't seem to have it all together and yet are used by God in order to accomplish God's purposes. So, these two spies are unnamed and they have a significant purpose in playing out the Israelites moving in. Rahab is named here, but she's somebody who uh, is able to help with this uh, task of God as well. Now, notice that Rahab here is, is a woman who is used by God. And I can't, I can't help but make a parallel forward to Jesus encountering a Samaritan woman at the well. And, and Rahab here, she, she rescues her whole family because of her faith and trust in God. And, and the woman, Samaritan woman at the well goes and rescues her whole Samaritan village and evangelises her whole Samaritan village. I can't help but see this parallel here that there's these two significant women who are used by God for God's purposes. And so, just as God used Rahab to accomplish His mission, right throughout the Bible, there are people who are maybe unlikely people, people who we wouldn't say, yep, that's the, that's the figure that we would say, yep, they're going to be used by God for God's purposes. Right throughout the Bible, God uses people And sometimes these people aren't even named. They accomplish something significant that advances the story of God forward, but they're not named. The two spies are not named here. 
But think back to Moses. Moses was a Hebrew and therefore would have grown up as a slave. But instead, he's sent down the river in a basket and it's a woman who picks him up and raises him in the court of Pharaoh and then Moses can uh, be saved and taken on the great purpose that God has for Moses. There are other people dotted throughout the line of Scripture that are not necessarily the kind of big celebrities that we talk about in the, in the story of God. We, we kind of know about a Noah, we know about a Moses, we know about these other key figures, but there are lots of people in the Bible and there are lots of people who aren't even named in the Bible, but they accomplish something that advances the story of God forward. Think about the women as they encounter the empty tomb. They are the first to meet the resurrected Jesus and they're the first to share the gospel of Christ that Jesus has risen from the dead. God picks people from obscurity and gets them to play an important part of moving his mission forward at a particular time. So God chose Rahab for this particular part in God's history. God uses Rahab to spare her family. And in the book of Matthew, Rahab is listed in the genealogy of Jesus. If I get my ordering right, I think she's the great-great-grandmother of King David. So, Rahab, even though she's here to show the mind of the Canaanites, she's here to strengthen the spies, to go back with a solid report that they can move in, God uses her in a bigger way later down the track in that it's her lineage that becomes the lineage that leads to the great King David, probably one of these celebrity figures that we use in the Bible. And in the book of Hebrews, in the New Testament, Rahab is listed as one of the examples of great faith. In the book of James, Rahab is listed as an example of faith in action. God uses people, sometimes for something that we mightn't think is a significant thing, but it has bigger purposes because of what God does with it. So maybe sometimes we think, can God really use us? We wonder whether in a celebrity-driven world, whether we're sort of not known enough to do something significant. It seems that in a celebrity-driven world, it's all about big accomplishments. It's about world-changing leaders and it's about getting your 15 minutes of fame. But the Kingdom of God already has a big hero, it's Jesus. And we don't need to think, how am I going to do something significant? Maybe we need to identify with these characters of the Bible who build the story of God with sometimes actions that are just one or two interactions, but an unlock something bigger than that. So maybe we can think about just inviting somebody to an Alpha course. And you might think, well, inviting one person to an Alpha course, it's not going to change the whole history of the church. No, it's not, but it's going to change somebody else's destiny. 
that might help them get a sense of purpose and meaning and understand that God loves them. And so maybe it's time for us to think about how we accomplish change through small actions, through things that maybe don't seem as though they're going to change the whole world, but they advance the kingdom of God forward. And so maybe it's somebody who is, we're just present to at work. And when they're going through a hard time, we're, we're just offering them that sense of care that, again, it mightn't, it mightn't change their whole eternity. They're, they're not going to come to faith, but it's just being the hands and feet of Christ to them. Maybe it's sitting with a family member who's going through a hard time and, and, and you can't solve the hard time. But maybe it's just being the hands and feet of Christ to somebody. Or maybe you're going through your own hard time. And as you go through that hard time, you're just a faithful witness to persistence. And you don't get to share with your friends and family this miraculous solution to your problems. But you just become a faithful witness to something that you believe in, that you trust and believe that God will act in the future. God uses each one of us to accomplish something in His mission. And, and I'm, I'm preaching this to myself as much as to all of you today. You know, the, the week before we started Alpha, the, the team were sitting around and we were kind of like, so how, how many are coming to Alpha? And we kind of had three people that we knew were coming to Alpha. And, and this week, we've got 14 people who are, who are sitting and doing the Alpha course. That's, that's not because I did something great. That's because the Holy Spirit was moving in the lives of people and stirred them up to come along. Sometimes we need to think about our act of faith in stepping out and saying, we will build the mission of God. And even if it looks like small steps along the way to building the Kingdom of God, we'll take those small steps. And maybe God uses those small steps and it just advances the Kingdom of God in small ways and that's okay. But every now and then, God takes some of those small steps and transforms it into a much bigger purpose. Rahab, we could think of her as somebody who just interacted with two spies and she stopped them from getting caught. What, what does that accomplish? But it accomplished a great. She's listed in the book of Hebrews as somebody who was one of the great heroes of the faith. And she is listed in the genealogy of Jesus. God can use every one of us to advance the kingdom, no matter how small or big we feel that that is. So let's pray that we would take those steps when we're faced with it. Gracious God, we praise and thank you for who you are. We thank you that you call us and you don't think any of us are unworthy to serve you. Lord, your scriptures are littered with people that don't seem to have the skills for the tasks that you give them and yet you call those who are faithful and equip them for their task rather than calling those who are equipped. And so, Lord, we pray that you would use us to advance your kingdom as we seek to live in your presence and see more people to come to know Jesus. And we make this prayer in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.